Good morning. Good to be with you all again. It's exciting to have an opportunity to be here and to share God's Word with you. And as you see from the bulletin, we're going to talk about worry this morning. And uh, so let's go to the Word to the Lord in prayer for just a moment before we get into His Word. Father, thank you again for another day. Thank you, Father, for your Word. Thank you that we can lay our lives upon it and know, Lord, that it is truth, absolute, and, Lord, that we can live our lives on it. And, Lord, by doing that, we might honor and glorify your name. Father, we ask that you'll bless our time this morning. May it be fruitful for all of us, including myself, as I share. And, uh, Lord, we'll thank you for all that you're going to do. We commit it to you now, thanking you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to talk about worry. Before I get into worry, looking at the picture of it, uh, that place, Gabon, reminds me. I just got back from Uganda uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it almost looks like the same country. You just move the names and the faces, the surroundings, the church settings. They all seem to be the same. Um, just people with great smiles love to worship the Lord, and they do it in an exciting fashion. Have you ever been to a church like that? I mean, I've actually been there. They get up and dance. Uh, they'll sing a song about dancing, and they dance. If they're clapping, they're clapping and doing all kinds of things like that. It adds a whole new element to worshiping the Lord on Sunday morning. I enjoy it when I'm there. Um, so we're going to talk about worry this morning. It's um, one of those issues that we, m- most of us as Christians, we consider to be an acceptable uh, sin. Um, we know it's uh, wrong, but we don't really get very convicted about it when we find ourselves worrying uh, about some matter. We, we seem to justify it. We'll say things like, uh, well, um, my mother was always like that, or I come from a whole family of worriers, or, um, well, I was just born like that, so that's the way God made me, and I really can't help myself, and we make excuses for it. I saw um, the other day I was watching a show on TV um, Around the Horn, many of you might watch that, some of you men, it's a, a sports thing on ESPN, and there's a guy on there named Woody Page, and he's always got these little sayings behind him written on a chalkboard, and he had one there the other day, which I thought was kind of cool. He said, he said, I'm trying, he said, I would like to quit my bad habits, but I'm not a quitter, <laughs> and I think that's the way we are sometimes with, uh, with sins like uh, worry. Joe uh, was a warrior. He was known by all his friends as being a warrior. A warrior. And uh, one day, uh, Bill was walking down the street, and he looked, and he saw Joe coming, and he, he saw Joe just had this big smile on his face. He was just as happy as he could be. He was whistling a tune and smiling. He, he couldn't believe his eyes. So he, he said, I've got to find out what ha- what's happened to him because he's always been a warrior. So he runs across the street to Joe, and he says, Joe, he says, you don't look like you have a worry in the world. What's going on? And Joe said, Bill, you're not going to believe it. He says, I haven't worried in weeks. Man, that's terrific, said Bill. What, what caused the difference? And he said, I hired somebody to worry for me. <laughs> and he, he says, that's the most incredible thing I've ever heard. I've never heard of that before. How much does he charge you for, for worrying for him? He says, $1,000 a week. $1,000 a week? Are you kidding me? He said, how in the world can you raise enough money to afford that? He says, oh, that's his problem, not mine. <laughs> Let him worry about it. Wouldn't it be nice if we had someone that could worry for us? Wouldn't that be great? We don't have somebody that can worry for us, but we do have someone who has said for us to cast our burdens on him 
because he cares for us. We also hear in Psalm 55, verse 22, it says, Cast your burdens upon the Lord, and he will sustain you. So God wants us to come with him with our, our problems and our struggles and our anxieties and, and worries and lay them before him. Now this morning I want to begin by talking about what worry is not. Worry is, there's two things we're going to look at. Worry first is not a proper care or concern uh, over issues and problems that we're dealing with. There's nothing wrong with us being concerned over issues that we're facing as long as we're finding solutions and it's not preventing us from doing what needs to be done today. That's just being responsible as a believer. Second thing is worry is not right planning. And if uh, you want to look over, we're going to be in James for just a second. In James chapter 4, verses 13 through uh, and 13 and 14 in chapter 4. And James says these words. He says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we shall go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. You do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Now some people think that what James is telling us there is, is that we, we shouldn't even make plans, that that's wrong. But not making plans really is irresponsible. What James is really telling us here is how we should plan for the future. And uh, he does that in verses 15 and 16. He says, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. And so what he's telling us here is how we should plan uh, when we're having struggles. We need to be planning, facing struggles and dealing with them in a biblical way. He's telling us we need to make plans, like I said, because not to would be irresponsible. But when we do it, we need not to worry about those things. We need to take the, our plans and lay them before the Lord, trusting Him for the results. It would be almost like this. I, I've, I'm, I'm, I've got an issue that I, that's before me, and I'm dealing with it. And so I, I, say to my, I say to myself, I say, Lord, to the best of my ability... According to what I know from your word, I have made my plans. I've weighed the pros, the cons. I've looked at the whole situation. And now I'm laying it before you. You're sovereign. You know what's best. And you take this and, I'll, and do with what you've, how you want to, to deal in my life with my plans. You see, that's trusting God with our plans and not trusting in ourselves. Uh, it's almost like uh, we're, we're, we're opening it up to God's red pencil. Uh, sometimes at work, when I've got a real important letter that I'm writing, maybe some of you like the important letter, and it's got to be just so, I'll email it to my wife, Kim, because she's much better in grammar and all that kind of stuff. And so I'll say to her, uh, Kim, would you take a look at this and make whatever changes you think are necessary to make it read right? And what I'm doing is I'm giving her the right to do with it whatever she wants to. And most of the times when I get back a letter, it's got, it's, usually I write a letter about this long, and when she finishes with it, it's about this long, and the words have all, you know, this punctuation changes, there's some word order changes, but it reads real nice. And I'm thankful for the gift that God has given her because she's bailed me out a million times 
on stuff like that. But that's the way we need to be with God in our plans. We need to lay them before God and trusting Him for the results. He's sovereign. He knows now and He knows the future, and we need to rest in Him. So those are a couple of things that, that uh, worry is not. Now, what is worry? And uh, we, funny, we, we looked at that passage of Scripture this morning. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I am going to read a couple of verses. And that's from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 there. It says, For this reason I say to you, do, do not worry about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will, your body, excuse me, or what you eat or what you will drink, nor your body as to what uh, will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Then over in verse 34, he says, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so if we were to put a simple definition on worry, we would just say worry is, is concern, wrong concern, over the future. Um, the word used there for anxious or care, some of your translations have, is literally the word worry. And from the Greek, the Greek word there has the idea of to divide or to rip or to tear apart. And isn't that what worry does to us when we really are worrying about something? I mean, we're honest with ourselves. It rips and tears us apart. Someone once said that, uh, that worry, they defined it this way, they said it's a small trickle of fear that meanders its way through our minds until it cuts a channel into which all other thoughts that we have are drained. And isn't that true? That's exactly what worry does to us. Now, uh, I want to share with you um, several reasons why worry is wrong, and three, and they come right out of this passage in uh, Matthew chapter 6. I'm not going to read them because we've already read them before, but I'm just going to go over them with you. First, a reason is it's unproductive. It's unproductive. Worry is senseless. It can't add one day or anything. We need to be taking care of what's going on today. We worry ourselves to death, and what does it do? Nothing. It's, it's really, it's, it's, it accomplishes nothing. Secondly, it steals our time. Uh, we fo- we've got all our energy focused on what's going to happen tomorrow, the next day, or next week, and there are things that need to be done today, and we're neglecting them. And so it wastes our time when we're worrying about matters. Thirdly, it controls our mind. Uh, Think about this. As as I was going over this message and and thinking, I thought, wow, this is so true. How many times have you found yourself, something that you're worrying about that's going to happen tomorrow or next week, could be a meeting, could be financial situation, a health issue, whatever, and we sit there and we say, okay, if this happens, I'll do this. If that happens, I'm going to do that. If this says that, I'm going to say that. If this, and we're, we're up and down, and we're being going back and forth. Our minds are just running us rampant. And most of the time, let's admit it, most of the time, it never turns out the way we think it's going to. It never turns out that way. And yet we imagine all kinds of things in our minds. So it controls our minds. The second thing, it wastes energy. Think about all the energy that's expended and all this mental activity and what does it accomplish? Nothing. Someone said it's like logging a time on a, um, a rocking chair. You rock back and forth. You're using a lot of energy, but you're not getting very much progress out of it. And that's pretty much what worry does. It wastes our energy. And then finally, it damages our bodies. People who worry a lot, they have ulcers. They have stomach upsets. They have skin rashes. They have uh, headaches, all kinds of phys- physical ailments all because 
of worry. So those are five reasons why worry is unproductive. Second reason worry is wrong is because it's unnecessary. It's unnecessary. We would find this in verses 28 through 30 of Matthew chapter 6. And uh, we see two reasons here. First, uh, because God is able and is trustworthy to take care of all of our needs. Philippians 4, 19 says, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus in glory. So it's unnecessary because God is able and trustworthy. Secondly, worry is a sign of unbelief. It doubts the ability or God's willingness to take care or to provide for whatever your issue is that you might be going through. How would you like to go through life thinking uh, or not... uh, not trusting in your husband or your wife or you kids here, how would you like to go through life not trusting in your, the faithfulness of your parents? It would be a horrible way to go through life. Could you imagine uh, uh, think about a child going to school in the morning and they, they go to school and all day they're sitting there worrying about, oh my goodness, I wonder if I go home. My parents going to be there? Uh, I wonder if my house is going to be there. Am I going to have food on the table tonight? Uh, am I going to have a place to sleep? No, they don't do that because they trust their parents that they're going to provide for them. And in the same way, you and I need to trust our Heavenly Father. He knows what's best for us, and we need to rest in Him. And then the third reason why worry is wrong is because it's unbecoming to a believer. Unbecoming to a believer. And we see this in verse 32. And here we see four reasons why it's unbecoming to a believer. First, it focuses on earthly values rather than on eternal values. It gets our focus on the wrong thing. Secondly, it focuses on the gifts, what I'm going to get or what I need, rather than focusing on God, who is the giver of our gifts. Third reason is it's a sign of no hope. We're supposed to be living by faith, trusting God for our needs, and if I'm sitting there worrying about something like that, then I'm showing I have no hope. And then fourthly, I, it, it, it's idolatry because it focuses all the attention on me and what I need rather than focusing all my attention on God and what he, he has promised to do to me, for me. So we have our, our minds focused in the wrong place. So it's unproductive, it's unnecessary, and it's unbecoming to a believer. So those are three reasons why worry is wrong. Now, in the time that we have remaining, I want us to look at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to look at verses 6 through 9 to see how we should handle worry in a way that honors our God and our Savior, Jesus. Verse 6 of chapter 4, Philippians. And be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren... Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. And we see three things in here, three steps that we can take uh, to help us have victory over worry. The first thing I want to look at here is, right off the bat, first thing it says there is be anxious for nothing. 
Now that's important because the fact that it says be anxious for nothing, that's a command. And if it's a command that we should do that, that means that we can overcome being anxious or worrying. And that gives us hope that we can have victory where maybe we've been failing in that area. So that's the first thing we see. Then the second thing we see here is it says, be anxious for nothing, but it says to pray. And so we need to be praying properly. That's number one on your outline would be to pray properly. And that's in verse 6. And I don't need to tell you that sometimes uh, what we need to do is first just to realize that we have a problem And if we'll just realize that, then we can turn to God for the help that we need to deal with the problem. So here's the thing. Be anxious for nothing and begin to pray. It's admitting that you've you've got a problem and you have a need uh, for God in that. And then because it says that we are to be anxious for nothing and to pray, um, that demonstrates several biblical truths here that we can uh, get out of this. And and here they are. There's four, four of them I have here. First, it demonstrates the put-off, put-on principle. Paul says there, be anxious for nothing but pray. So we have put-off, put-on. That's a principle that we see throughout Scripture. And uh, Paul does it in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 and following. He does it in Colossians chapter 3, verses uh, 8 and following. And it's things like this. He'll say, um, lay aside falsehood and start telling the truth. Um, Speak, uh, I'll get it here in a second. Stop saying unwholesome things to one another, but instead say only words that build up and are good for edification. Don't steal, but work. Let your bitterness, your anger, your, your malice, your clamor, slander, all that be put away from you. And then he says, but instead, he says, be kind to one another, gentle-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. That's a principle we see throughout Scripture. And so we see that in this command that we see in Philippians chapter 4, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. Secondly, it demonstrates an attitude of worship. Romans 12, uh, 1 says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies and your minds, we might say, as a living and holy sacrifice, which is your spiritual service of worship. It's an act of worship to lay aside our anxieties and to lay it all before God. It's an act of worship. Secondly, it demonstrates our dependence on God by expressing our need for his help in our particular situation. And then finally, it helps us realize that whatever God is sending my way, that it's for his glory and for my good. James 1, 2 through 4 says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Also, when we pray with, uh, to God, we also need to be doing it, it says there, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Now, let me ask you a question. When's the last time, be honest, when's the last time that you faced a problem, a big problem, that you were concerned about, worried about, fretting over, and you said, thank you, God, for this happening in my life today. Isn't this wonderful? How many of you are going to raise your hand and tell me you've done that? Yeah. 
Yeah, we, we don't do that. And yet, that's what the Word says, that we are to be taking our, be anxious for nothing, but in prayer supplication, with thanksgiving. Romans 8.28 says, uh, but we know that, all, that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. And the reason is, which is in verse 29, that we might be conformed to the image of his Son. 1 Peter 1.6 says this, to rejoice even though you are distressed and made sorrowful for a little while. Then in verse 7 it says this, that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold which is perishable, even though tested, may be found to result in the praise and the glory and the honor and the revelation of Jesus Christ. God is sending things into our life for his glory and for our good. And we need to realize that and praise God for that. The, um, just like metal or like gold or silver is, is heated in a pot, and the impurities come to the top and you can scrape them off and you're left with the pure gold or silver, that's the way trials are and testings in our life. The problems that we have, God is using them to uh, prove the, um, the, our faith in him. Uh, the same idea we have in uh, James chapter 1, verse 12. It says this, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Same word used for proof in 1 Peter 1.7 is the same word used in James 1.12 for approved. It was a term that was used in the first century that was used for uh, metal, um, uh, actually for clay pots and things like that. If, if you, took a, you made a clay pot and you put it in the oven to heat it, if it came out the other side and there was no blemishes, it was perfect, Stamp it with this word, the Greek word that we have translated here, approved or proof. It means you came through the fire without a blemish. And that's what God is using trials and testings in our life to approve us in our faith. So the first thing we need to do is to, um, to overcome worry is to pray properly. And the second step is we need to be uh, thinking rightly. And we see this over in verse 8, in verse 8, where he says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Not on a lie that the devil might have put in our minds, but we need to be thinking of the truth about us and about what God says about himself. And that's what these things are here, these, things, these six things that are listed in chapter 8. We need to be focusing our minds and thinking rightly. Um, I want, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 27, verse 1, David has uh, just uh, had an encounter with Saul, who's been trying to kill him. And that's in, verse 20, it's in chapter 26. And then when you get to chapter 27, verse 1, we read these words from David. These are the words of a person who's not thinking rightly in a difficult situation. Listen to these words here. Then David said to himself, you see a problem there? He's thinking to himself rather than turning to God for help. That's his first problem. Secondly, he says, now I will perish one day by the hand of Saul. What's he saying there? There's no hope. That's a pessimistic view. There's no hope for me. 
Third thing we see, there is nothing better for me than to escape into the land of the Philistines, settling for second best. How many times do we do that? Settle for second best. And then lastly, he says, Saul then will despair of searching for me anymore <coughs> excuse me, in all the territory of Israel and will escape from his hand. What's, what's the problem there? All the focus is on David, on him. In fact, in that one verse, David references himself, me or I, four times. There's no reference to God at all. It's just all about me. <coughs> yeah, so he has, uh, he's serving the wrong cause. Now, if my thinking is wrong, I'm dwelling on the wrong things, then what's going to happen? I'm not going to be able to think biblically, and that means I'm not going to solve my problems in a way that is going to honor God. And then if I'm not handling my life's problems in a way that honors God, then what's going to happen? Then I am going to get anxious, and I'm going to get depressed. And people are going to say, wow, you need to go to Dr. So-and-so and get help. Now, what kind of help are we going to find with Dr. So-and-so? Zero. None. Because when I do that, what I'm actually saying is that God, your spirit indwelling me is not capable of helping me solve my problems, and your word and you are not capable of helping me deal with my problems. They're insufficient. And none of us want to, would probably say that if we were asked that question. But that's what our actions would be revealing if we were to do something like that. When our thinking is wrong, we're going to respond the wrong way. Second Peter 1.3 says this, Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. The answer to our problems is in God and in his word, not in going to a doctor when we're dealing with problems. It's God and his word. So if I'm, I'm praying properly with thanksgiving and my mind is focused on the right things, I'm dwelling on the right things, on truth from God's word, then that leads me to step number three. And that is I need to be living properly. I need to be living properly. And that means I'm going to need to get to work and redirect all my energy Instead of worrying and all those things we talked about that are uh, produced by worry, we need to get working on solutions to our problems. Not worrying about the future, what's going to happen there, but taking care of what's today and trusting God for tomorrow. I need to pour all my energies into today's problems and responsibilities. I can't allow my feelings, which is unfortunately, so many times we allow our feelings to control us and we end up doing things and responding based on our feelings rather than on truth of what God says to us. And we need to not allow that to happen in our life. And I need to focus what I'm doing today with God and trust Him for tomorrow. Now, here are several questions that you can ask yourself when, you're, when you find yourself in a situation where you, you tend to start thinking about, I'm worrying about uh, some matter. First question is, is this, what's the problem? Sometimes just sitting down with a piece of paper and writing down what the problem is can help us find solutions to our problems. It can be just that simple. Second thing is, um, what does God want me to do about my problems 
today? Do I need to go to his word? Do I need to be praying? What do I need to be doing today about what's going to happen tomorrow? I can't take care of tomorrow. That's God's business. I need to be taking care of my problems today, but what else does God want me to do? And we need to go to God's word to find the solutions there. And this might be a time when you might want to go to someone who's a respected friend of yours, someone that you really um, hold in high regards, and say to them, hey, I'm having this struggle. Can you help me? And let them talk to you and and maybe give you some insight and share some scripture with you and, and pray for you to help you to deal with a particular issue. And then thirdly, the thing we need to ask ourselves, third question is, where, when, where, and how should I begin? Don't just put ideas on a piece of paper. These are things I should be doing, but actually take those, those ideas and put them action behind them. Begin to start doing things. And a lot of times we think, well, I'll start with the easiest. No, maybe it's, you should start with the hardest and start working your way down to the easiest, the easiest step that you need to be taking. And if we're doing what God's asked us to do, praying properly, thinking properly, dwelling on the right things, and living properly, God promises to do something really wonderful for us, and that's in verse 7. And he says, And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then down in verse 9, he, he says, And the God of peace will be with you. It's sort of, we might say, the proof in the pudding so I thought about that statement. I was going to say that this morning. I said, proof in the pudding. I don't even know where that comes from. You know, sometimes we just use statements like that. We don't know where they come from. Proof in the pudding. But anyway, that's, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah, the proof's in the pudding. Um, if my heart is at peace with God, then I'm probably resting in him. I'm not worrying about something. And that's what we need to be doing. Sir Walter Raleigh uh, in history was burdened with a huge financial debt. Uh, one day his doctor came to him and he said, Sir Walter Raleigh, says, if you don't stop worrying, you're going to kill yourself. Sir Walter Raleigh looked up sadly and said, I can't help myself from worrying. As long as that debt is over my head, I've got to worry. And he said these words, It may kill me, but you might as well tell my cook to order the water in the kettle not to boil as to command my brain not to worry. Wow. That's something. Totally engulfed in worry. You can imagine how he was crippled by that, unable to do things that he needed to do today. Well, we don't want to be like Sir Walter Raleigh. We want to have victory over worry. We don't want to be trapped in wrong thinking. And so if we're praying properly with thanksgiving, if we're uh, dwelling on the right things, truth from God's word, and we're living our life based on that truth, God promises to give us peace. He promises to give us victory. And is that not what we want? Is victory over worry, anxiety that we deal with every single day. I don't know what you're, what's going on in your life right now. I'm sure that we went around the room and took a survey. We would find that several of us here are really dealing with some major issues. But this is the way God desires for us to handle worry every day of our life. And we can have victory because he has told us, be anxious for nothing. There is hope if we'll do it God's way. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the truth of your word. If we're all honest with ourselves, and that's including me, we have all found ourselves, we might even be finding ourselves right now today in the midst of some situation that 
has us burdened, maybe even crippled, that we're unable to think about anything other than that. As the definition said, it's that fear that meanders its way across our minds until it cut a channel into our brain and everything, every thought goes into that channel. That's all we can think about is what that trial is. Father, help us to lay that aside, to grab hold of your truth, and Father, to rest in you as our faithful God and our Savior who has given us everything for godliness and life, that Lord, that we might rest in you, and Lord, that you'll give us victory where we have faced defeat in the past. Lord, give us that strength through your Spirit. Help us, Lord. We are weak, and we need your help. And so, Father, we just lay ourselves before you, and thank you that we, have, um, that we have someone that we can turn to at a times when we are in struggling. Lay them before your throne, Lord, and know that you care for us. And Lord, that your word promises that you will sustain us. That's not a maybe. You will sustain us if we'll rest in you and do things your way. Thank you, Father, for that truth. Encourage us today as we leave, and may you be glorified through our lives. And we'll thank you now in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you.